hear it as we preach it and proclaim it. We pray that you would give me the words to say and that your Holy Spirit uh, would be at work in our midst. You have something here for each one of us to instruct us, to teach us, to correct us, perhaps even to rebuke us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would uh, be at work now this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Last uh, Sunday afternoon uh, uh, at four o'clock, I had the privilege of of going back to the church that I grew up in. Uh, My grandmother had invited me back. Uh, They were having a special ceremony uh, to install a new pastor. Uh, The previous pastor had had died last year in a tragic accident. But the new pastor uh, happens to be a, a guy who I know. Uh, we've seen each other around at Bible Fellowship Church events and those sorts of things, and we've hit it off really well. So it was a, a great privilege to go up there and see them and be installed. Another pastor uh, preached a sermon that uh, afternoon, and part of that sermon was to talk about how the pastor is called. You see, when a pastor comes to a church, uh, we don't want to just know, does he have a Bible degree? Can he handle the Word of God? Is he a nice fellow? But does he have a calling from the Lord? And so the, the part of this pastor's preaching was to say, Dan Williams has a call from the Lord, a, a burden to do this ministry. Each one of us in our own lives has something that the Lord has called us to do. The Lord calls us to salvation. But then he gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us passions and desires and gifts and talents. And, and part of that is he has a calling for us. He has things that he would like us to do inside the church as part of that calling. He gives us natural talents so that our regular job is not just a job, but a call that the Lord has given you uh, something to do. In this passage, we have Saul and Barnabas being called to ministry being called to be missionaries. And so our main point this morning is simply the Lord calls us to minister God's word. Even if you are not a pastor, the Lord has given you God's word. And in some way, there is someone that you may have opportunity to share it with. Each one of us needs to handle the word of God with care. Be able, Peter says in 1 Peter 2, to give an answer for the faith that we have. The Lord calls us to minister His Word. So what I want you to see first this morning is that the Lord calls people from within the church. The Lord calls people from within the church. The normal means that the Lord uses of calling someone into some kind of ministry particularly inside the church, is he takes from within the church and promotes it up. Now, it doesn't have to be maybe the local church. It can be the larger church at large. But very rarely does someone, does God smack someone upside the head and they get saved and instantly they know they're supposed to be a pastor or a missionary without even going to church. The Lord calls people from within the church. And this is why commitment to the local church is so important. And this is why, as a local church, we should be committed to making disciples, to seeing people raised up. There may be someone here today that God has called in the future to be a missionary. 
that God has called to be a pastor, to be a church planter. And God uses the local church to raise those kinds of people up. The Lord calls people from within the church. So notice in verse 1 that we have individuals serving in the church. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. You have Barnabas. You have Simeon, who is called Niger. You have Lucius of Cyrene. And you have Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and then Saul. Simeon, is, who is called Niger. Niger is uh, the, the Latin word for black or dark. And so we, we think that Simeon was probably from Africa. Of course, you might recognize the, the country Nigeria, same Latin root word there. So we think Simeon uh, was from Africa. We have Manian here. It says a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. This is not the Herod that died last week. This is Herod's, the, the Herod that died. This is his father, Herod Antipas. And this Manian fellow uh, probably came up along in the court of this Herod. Uh, this Herod, the Tetrarch, is the one who beheaded John the Baptist. So it just gives you a little bit of background uh, about this fellow. Uh, then we have Barnabas, who we've met already in the book of Acts, and Saul, we know about his uh, conversion. But notice that they are serving in the church as prophets and teachers. And so you think of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and he gave, the Lord gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body. And of course, this is in a time before the word of God is written down. So prophets would have been very important, but they are prophesying and teaching. They are grounding people in the word of God. They are explaining to them what Jesus Christ has done. They are, in effect, discipling in the local church, perhaps as well being involved in reaching out to some of that community. But they were plugged in and active where God had placed them. So often in our lives, and I think this is particularly true when we're younger, we are, we are always looking down the road for the next big thing. What does God want me to do? What's over that horizon? What is that major mountain that he wants me to conquer? And often God calls us first to be faithful where we are before he opens a door for other ministry. Notice then that the Lord called the missionaries from inside the church. Verse 2. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for, for, uh, for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called you. Now, you'll remember, excuse me, for the work which I have called them. You'll remember Saul had already had a call from the Lord. He was walking on the road to Damascus. He is going to Damascus to persecute the church, to kill them. And God opens up the sky. He sees the Lord Jesus Christ. This bright light shines down and God calls him to salvation. And at the same time God is calling him to salvation, God real, uh, reveals to Saul that he is going to be an apostle, a witness God tells Ananias, the, the Lord said to him, go, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him that he must suffer for my sake 
for the sake of my name. Galatians, Paul says this, For when he who set me apart from, before I was born, who called me by my grace, he was pleased to reveal the Son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He says, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Paul received the call of God. It was the call of salvation. It was also a call to ministry right away. A call to be a missionary to the Gentiles. But notice what God also does. He confirms that call by speaking it inside the church to these group of men who are ministering in the church. When we talk about someone becoming a pastor or perhaps a missionary in a more uh, formal capacity, we often talk about their call. Do they have a burden to do this? Has God laid this upon their heart in some way? Maybe there have been some circumstances along the way that God used to show them, I want you to do this in, with your life. Uh, for me, it was as a young man, I was involved in my youth group and they uh, asked me to to preach a little sermon on a youth group night. We were supposed to do the whole evening service uh, and I preached uh, and I had the pastor help me prepare and my dad helped me and I preached a sermon. Uh, it was six minutes. Uh, I bet you all wish my sermons were still six minutes. But the Lord used that to show me that I felt he, he laid a burden on me in that, on that night that I should pursue being a pastor. But along the way, the Lord did not just direct me in in my life. He made it visible to others. The pastor noticed something in me. Men and along the way poured into me, invested, mentored me, discipled me. They they gave me little tasks to do in the church. And that led then to bigger to doing more uh, things in the church. That is often the way the Lord works. Notice then, before they send the missionaries out, they pray and lay hands on them. Verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They bathe it in prayer because the Lord has called them. This is a type of commissioning service, if you will. They recognized the work of God that he had called these men and they sent them. What I want you to notice then is that God uses the church in calling people to ministry. God uses the church. Faithful service then for the Lord starts in the church. The normal means of God is to enable us inside of the church to to shape our gifts, to hone them, to, to get some experience and, and then he maybe uses us in a new way, opens a door. We, we step out a little bit in faith. Uh, let me give you the example of, of my dad. As long as I can remember, my dad was involved in church. Um, he grew up going to church. He grew, uh, I grew up with him taking me to church. I have uh, faint memories of, of being a little kid, maybe about four or five years old, and, and sitting in children's church, and my dad, this was in the back of an old hall at the, the old, this old church building, and, and my dad uh, teaching the children's uh, service, the children's 
um, church for the morning. And I have vague memories of, of the, you know, the flannel boards and the signs he would hold up that would have the, the songs on it for the day. And he was always involved in church. As I was, grew up and was a little older, he became an elder. But for 18 years, my dad was a carpenter. And he was being shaped and trained in the church. And when I was 14, we ended up going to the mission field. My dad had been praying for a while. He'd been on our missions committee at church and he'd been praying for a while that the Lord would raise up somebody from our church to be a missionary. And I remember my dad, because he, he used to tell this story everywhere we would go when we were raising support. So it kind of became like rote memory. But my dad, and, and it, it got to the point where my brothers and sisters and I, we would be able to tell what jokes and lines he was going to insert. Because you, you preach the same thing at like every church for like a year because you want to get to the mission field. But anyways, as he would tell the story, he as he was praying for God to lead someone to the mission field, there was a specific young man in the church that he had in mind because this man had been on a short-term missions trip and he was like, God is calling that guy to go to the mission field. And that's the guy. But he just prayed, you know, Lord, send someone from our church to be a missionary. Well, over time, the Lord laid that burden on my dad's heart. And when I was 14, we went to the mission field. We worked for Transworld. Well, not we. I didn't do it. But my dad worked for for Transworld Radio. But it was all of that along the way. My dad went to the mission field without a Bible college degree. Now, he was able to get one, but he went out there to do actually construction for them. And the Lord completely closed down the door to construction while he was out there, and he ended up teaching a Bible program. And out of that, the Lord led my dad into church planting. Thirty years ago, my dad was just an average blue-collar carpenter. He, He would always say he passed high school by the skin of his teeth. I never saw him reading books when we were a kid. Now he has like a half a library uh, of theology books because the Lord along the way called and directed him. And the Lord uses the church. And the Lord uses service in the church to do that. We should expect God to call people to ministry. God gives gifts to the church Some are set aside as pastors and teachers and missionaries. And as we think about the future of our church here, we're going to need to raise up elders and deacons and God will call them from within the church. But the normal means that God does this is someone does not show up on a Sunday and we say, wow, you look like you could be an elder. Or they don't walk in with with a, a sign on their forehead that says elder candidate or this guy's your next deacon. They come and you get plugged in and the Lord shows us as the church acts as the body who he is calling into the various ministries. But I want you to notice also that faithfulness starts with small things. Don't be afraid in the life of the church to do the lowly, the menial, to to take up the service tasks. Don't always dream big dreams. Think of faithfulness first. What do I I mean by that? Well, when I was a young man in Bible college, my dream was to write a lot of commentaries. I'm going to have this great ministry. The Lord is going to use me. and, And not only will I be the minister, but I will be the guy that writes the books for the ministers. And I had this this big picture of this is what it will mean to arrive. I had I had. 
ideas of success in my own mind that weren't God's ideas of success. We don't need to start out with that in view. Start out with, where has God put me now that I can be faithful? Maybe it's teaching little kids. Maybe it's just cleaning up in church. Maybe it's just being a greeter or running the sound. And you say, I can be faithful at that. And over time, God uses that and he stretches you and then he promotes you, so to speak. And then maybe he does it again. And then maybe he even calls you into full-time ministry. Or maybe not. Maybe he calls you to stay serving this local church for the rest of your life. Be faithful where God has put you. Luke 16.10 The one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and the one who is dishonest with very little is dishonest with very much. There are probably two types of people here this morning. You're hearing me talk about this in ministry and serving in the church, and one group of people is saying, oh man, that's scary. I could, I could never do that. I'm, I'm afraid of teaching little kids Sunday school class. What if, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? You know, God might actually be calling you into something where he stretches you, where he causes you to rely on his Holy Spirit. He might actually have another door of ministry that he has opening up for you, and he wants you to step through it and be faithful and, and do something that you've never done. Just like he called Saul and Barnabas to go out. Some of you are maybe thinking to yourself, like like I was as a young man, I want this kind of ministry. I want to do this in the life of the church. And you're discontent with where God has put you. If only I could do more. Sometimes that's a good desire to have, but let that be tempered by saying, I need to be faithful with all that God has put on my plate now. And he will open the door when he is ready for me. There have been times in my life where I've prayed for specific things, God to open this or that door of ministry, and he's done nothing but close it. And you sit and you wonder and you think to yourself, why? Why is the Lord doing that? I have gifts. I have talents. Why can't he use me? And then later on down the road, he does open that door and you look back and you say, yeah, if he would have opened it two years ago, four years ago, ten years ago, I wasn't ready. God had to shape me. God had to give me experiences. God had to use me where I was so he could cultivate me into who I needed to be. I think God used the local church for Saul and Barnabas to cultivate them so that they could be better missionaries. And then at the right time, he called them out to minister his word. We're going to keep moving here. Our second point, I keep knocking that with my suit. Sorry about that. Our second point this morning is that when God calls us, there will be opposition to the word of God. So they head down to Cyprus, verse 4. So they were being sent by the Holy Spirit when they went down to Seleucia. Uh, Antioch is kind of, if you think of uh, where Israel is, Antioch is straight north of that, kind of where the Mediterranean Sea curves 
the corner where modern-day Turkey is. Uh, Seleucia is down by the coast, and then they took a boat, and it says they sailed to Cyprus. And when they got to Cyprus, it says when they arrived at Salamis, that's the port, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues, and they had John to assist them. This is John Mark, who in verse 13, which we didn't read today, he actually leaves the ministry. He goes back to Jerusalem. He decides it's not for him or he can't handle it. But their normal way of preaching is they go into the synagogues first because the synagogues would be where the word of God is read. It's their missions strategy. How do you tell Jewish people the Messiah has come? Well, the first thing you do is go where all the Jewish people are, where they're reading the word of God. And from there, they make connections with Gentiles who are coming to hear the word of God. And and when the Jews reject them, they go out on the week and they talk to the Gentiles. But you'll notice here then they have a pro who wishes to hear the word of God. And then there's this Bar-Jesus or Eliamus is his other name. He seeks to thwart the word of God. Look at verses six, seven and eight. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they they came upon a certain magician, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the pro-council, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. And Eliamus the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, so it's the same guy, uh, opposed them, seeking to turn the pro-council away from the faith. Now, Bar-Jesus means, it's Aramaic, Bar, son, son of Jesus. Jesus, or Yeshua, is just a very common name. It's also, we could pronounce the name Joshua. So don't think this has anything to do uh, with the Lord Jesus. It's just uh, his name. But notice, and this is a warning for us, whenever we share the word of God, we should expect that false teachers and false prophets will arise and will oppose the word of God. This happens sometimes in our ministry. Uh, things get a little tough. Someone opposes what you're doing or what you're saying. And, and the temptation right away is to say, well, maybe God hasn't called me. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. It's normal when you're sharing the word of God, even if you're just evangelizing to a loved one. It's normal to have the word of God be resisted. And it's not your fault When a person resists the word of God, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. You may be doing it right. And that's the point. The hardened heart rebels against God and his word. But God can use that to open someone's heart. Ponder these words for a moment in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8. Paul writes this, But I will stay on in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective work has opened for me. And I just pause there for a moment. What what do you think a a wide door might look like? Well, it's going well. Hundreds of people are being converted. The church is growing by major numbers. It's awesome things. And and what does Paul say? He says in 1 Corinthians 16.9, if you want to write it down and look it up later. For a wide door for effective work has opened for me. And there are many adversaries. Think about that. A wide door is open and there are many adversaries. I am the exact opposite of Paul. I would be, man, there are many adversaries. This door must be closing. It's time to move on from Ephesus. 
But think about that. When God calls you to do ministry, it may very well be He calls you into an area with challenge. Your call from God may mean you actually face more difficulties, not less. I knew a missionary. They are still out on the field. They work with Indians out in Minnesota. And I visited them about 10, 12 years ago. Great people out there. And they had been out there at the time, I think like close to 15 or 20 years. Very little fruit. And they would have periods where the church would seem to grow about 25, 30 people. And then for some reason, people would walk away. They would go back into their own life. And part of it was the pull of the tribal culture. And I asked them, why are you here? They were there as missionaries because they were called. How many of us would look and say, well, maybe we shouldn't do that because there's not a lot of fruit. Maybe we shouldn't support them because we're not seeing the results that we want. God had called them. And the measure of success was their faithfulness. As it happens, the longer they're there, the better the opportunities are because they begin, they know people. And people realize you're not here to just sell me something and leave. You're here to stay. They have done funerals for families. They have gathered and cried with unbelievers over losses. They have faithfully helped young mothers and families get food and put food on the table. And it has been that long-term impact which now has begun to bear more fruit. But it's been 25, 30 years. Some of you, maybe, have tried or, or have served in Sunday school with kids. And you've had those Sunday school classes where you pull your hair out because the kids don't listen. I was probably one of those kids at some time in Sunday school the wily, rambunctious boy, the sneaky one. My dad, I know, will tell you he was that kind of kid. And a Sunday school teacher, uh, uh, an after-school Bible teacher invested in him. Sometimes we look and we say, why am I pouring my life into these kids? They're not even getting it. Maybe, again, you witness to a friend and they're hostile to the gospel. And you think to yourself, well, maybe I shouldn't try to evangelize them. Or maybe I should give up. Maybe God hasn't called me to share the gospel with people. An opposition can mean there is an open door. And this is what Paul and Barnabas face. We should recognize that opposition will come from the word of God. And let me just say, as a church, we should pray for the church body. Things have been going really smooth here for the last number of months. Things have been, I, I think, if, if, it, if it hasn't, please don't tell me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but we might get to a point where people start coming in, and as people come in, maybe they have hardships, maybe they have troubles, and we'll have to work with them and help them. But we might get someone in here who secretly doesn't want to see the Word of God go forward or doesn't think that I should preach the way that I preach. Or wants us to change who God has called us to be. There will always be opposition to the Word of God. And so I say, pray for me as your pastor. Pray for this church body. 
pray for our missionaries who are out there sharing the word of God and can have very lonely, very discouraging times who may encounter someone like a bar Jesus an Eliamus who they are trying to share the gospel and this other person comes in and tries to snatch it away. And then last, I want you to notice when God calls us, he will give us the ability to minister. So look at how the Holy Spirit comes upon Paul. But Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? This is the Holy Spirit giving Paul boldness. Second Timothy 1 7 for the God has gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control or Jesus in Luke. When they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourselves or what you shall say for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you should say. Now, I don't think that we should all go out and every time someone resists the gospel, say to them, you son of the devil. Um, This is not a follow this example word for word. But this is a principle that the Lord will give us what we need to say in those moments. There are times where we need to tell someone "You're, you're living in sin. Don't do this anymore. This is wrong. Or someone rejects the gospel and and someone wants to debate it with us and they say, well, the Bible isn't really the word of God. That is not the moment where we hem and haul and say, well, uh, well, you may have a point there. Well, everybody is entitled to their own opinion. That is the moment where where by the grace of God, we need to be bold and say, you're wrong. And I may not have all the answers or be able to bait you on every point that you're bringing up. But I know what scripture says and you're wrong. The Bible is the word of God and we could just multiply uh, the examples there. Notice how he says, will you stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? What is the straight paths of the Lord? It's it's the way to salvation. This opening that, that God has made clear. That if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Isaiah 40 uh, verses 3, 4 and 5. A voice in the wilderness says, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the des- in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. This is the straight paths of the Lord that God has shown his glory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says to Elimus, you're making it crooked. You are turning something which is simple and straightforward. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. He is the Messiah. All of those wonderful truths. And you are twisting it. You are perverting it. You are torturing it. You're telling uh, Paulus here, don't believe these things. They aren't true. Keep trying to keep him from the kingdom of God. We have to speak the truth plainly in those circumstances. We have to speak the truth plainly. Someone was about to drink poison. You would, 
if, if I and my cup was, you know, had poison here and I go to drink and you knew it was poison, you, you would jump up and you'd, stop, pastor, no, don't. You know, you would do everything you can to get out of that pew, to, to scare me into dropping this, to, to doing something. And so Paul did not just stand there with Eliamus and say, well, you know, now he has a point, but let me tell you why he's wrong. He confronted it forthrightly. And we need that kind of boldness. Then we go on and the Lord blinds Eliamus in verse 11. Darkness falls upon him. But we see in verse 12, the proconsul believed. And when he saw what had occurred and was astonished at the teaching of the Lord, the Lord used the ministry of Paul and even that rebuke of Elimus to bring a person to saving faith. When God calls you to do something, step forward and do it with boldness. Paul strikes me as a very forthright kind of guy, a very bold kind of guy. But Paul has his moments of doubts, his moments of fear, his moments where he's at the edge of his sanity emotionally because he has worries for the church. Paul is more like us sometimes than we realize. But the Spirit had done amazing things in Paul. And the Spirit can do amazing things in you. Maybe some of you are saying, well, I could never teach a children's Sunday school class. I could never teach adult Sunday school class. I could never do this in the life of the church. I tell you, if the Lord calls you to do it, if the Lord is nudging you and laying that burden on your heart, the Lord will equip you for that work. And maybe that's part of the point to to challenge you to do something that you're scared of so that you'll know and rely on God. I remember that first six-minute sermon that I preached. And I remember walking away from that sermon having a real peace and a sense that it was nothing that I had done. I got some compliments that night, and and not just because it was six minutes, um, but... I remember thinking, and I had, you know, my dad helped me prepare, the pastor helped me, they taught me how to study the Word of God. But I remember thinking, it's not anything that I have done. I wish I could say that always in my ministry, I think that way. Because there are times where pride gets the best of us, and we go, yeah, I've got some pretty good talents. I learned Greek and Hebrew. But when God calls us to do something. God equips us. And He will give us the Holy Spirit. And part of doing what God has called you to do is relying on Him in every step of the way. If God called you to do something that was easy and you were already comfortable with, you wouldn't have to give God all the glory in the situation. When you teach a Sunday school class and a kid gets saved, Do you pat yourself on the back or do you say, God, you're amazing because there's no way I led that kid to the Lord. There's no way that I am that good of a Sunday school teacher. And over time, God grows us and we become more comfortable and he expands it. But when he calls us, there often is that moment of fear. 
God calls each one of you to serve in the church in some way. God calls each one of us to holiness. God calls each one of us to share the gospel and take it with us. And the word of God won't return void. Notice what they're doing here. They share the word of God. And the Holy Spirit uses the word of God. That's what we need to continue to do as a church. We share the word of God. We teach it in Sunday school. We preach it from the pulpits. You take it home with you. You talk to your families about it. You gather around your own dinner table and talk to your kids about it. But we regularly share the word of God. And God will grow us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray that maybe you are working in our hearts right now, guiding us and directing us, challenging us to, to step up and be involved in some way in the life of the church, or maybe go and minister to someone or step out and obey you in some way. I pray that we would be faithful to what you have called us to do. We pray that you would equip us as you equipped Saul and Barnabas The same Holy Spirit that was in them is in us, sealing us for the day of redemption, giving us the words to say, even building our confidence, not a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of self-control. We just pray all of these things in your name. Amen. We're going to come this morning and we have...